Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dish Island. I'm Paul Verhoeven. And I am Tegan Higginbotham. And Paul, I don't know if I'm suffering from deja vu or whether... We recorded an intro and lost it. And somebody forgot to hit record. No, I hit record. <laughs> it was just recording through the internal speakers. Really. And it was such a shame because I spoke about all the food I was excited about eating this week. Because yeah. you've been nailing your chicken paprikash lately, which is an Adam Liao recipe. And I made this pumpkin and plum loaf, which I don't know if it's going to taste any good, but I didn't have enough pumpkin and I'd already started making the loaf and I'd already preserved some plums. So I just whacked some plums in there and we'll see if that's a failure in a few days or not. But the important top line headline that we've got to share before we introduce this week's guest is that Paul and I have set a date for our fancy pants dinner party, which we're hosting for people who work in the actual food industry. Yes. So it's terrifying. My problem here is that we've had guest after guest on the show, and we've asked them all for advice on the dinner party, and then they kind of look at us expectantly, and we don't invite them. But as you pointed out, Tegan... We have something of a limited space here. Well, this thing, we can't invite any more people because I realise, okay, if you haven't heard, Paul and I are going to have a dinner party and the date is the 30th of August. No, sorry, 30th of April. So it's coming up really soon. And we have invited uh, two other couples who, as I said, work in the food industry. Mm. Each of them have hosted their own dinner party that we've been invited to up until this point, And they were off the charts, really fancy, proper good food. But we only have a table that seats four, and there are going to be six of us. And I don't know what... Are we going to have to buy a new table now? No, no, no. The solution's very simple. We wait on them. (laughs) We get into full coat... Like, full three-piece suits, tuxedos, coat and tails, whatever. And we basically just hover incessantly and keep offering them pepper, I think. And then if they leave our dinner party and don't tip us, I can be really cranky at them. Yep. So, Paul and I have been oscillating over the past week or so as to whether or not we try to match them and go in hard on the fancy front, like whether we push the boat out, try some dishes that we've never done before, you know, serve up a degustation of awesome, or whether we go the opposite way and kind of Just make scream this- at them. <laughs> really lower the bar. Make this statement. It's like, hey, guys, we don't work in the food industry. So here are some really lovely, still very lovely, but more homely dishes like, I don't know, pie or that's all you can think that's of that's all i've got yep that's all you got today's guest on our island here is also no stranger to really stressful party situations you might know him from the bachelor where he played the title role 
That's not how that works. You may also have seen him on Dancing with the Stars or heard him on his new finance podcast, The Penny Drops. Please welcome to the island, Matty J. Matty, welcome to the island. And let's get real. Let's be honest. A a friend of mine once said to me that parenting is basically eating bread from the bag over the sink during the brief moments you have between crises and maybe crying a bit. How accurate is that appraisal? Oh my gosh, it's so funny you say that because yesterday, I'm not even kidding, I'm not just saying this, I had lunch over the kitchen sink and it was a chicken sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mate. Was it at least a good chicken sandwich? It was very good. Actually, it was nice. I'm a sucker for a sandwich and it was lettuce, tomato with chicken and... And a, a, a Perry mayonnaise, which was quite nice. Mm. So why the sink? It was the sink your de facto plate? Were you in the middle of something else? Or do you just like looking really trashy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a, a bit of everything, really. No, I, um, I think it was down to the fact that I like to think that I'm working in a really efficient manner. And if I'm, if I'm leaning over the sink, it means yeah. I've only gone from like chopping board to then sink. And I'm saving myself... A dirty plate. Oh, so it's about not wanting to do dishes. Right. Okay. But by that rationale, why not just need to have a trough, Maddie? <laughs> we're, oh. we're getting one installed in the backyard. And, <laughs> and that's where we'll serve all the meals moving forward. <laughs> Can I ask? Because we've, you know, we've had a few chats in the past, but I don't think if I've ever really gotten to ask you this directly. Are you a big foodie? Are you a big fan of food? I love eating. Eating is something that brings me so much happiness. I guess the only thing that uh, I think, or I know I don't like, is when it gets too fancy. Like, mm. I, I, I like to sometimes dip into, um, like, fine dining just because I'm like, oh, my gosh, how funny is this? The waiter's putting the napkin on my lap. Ooh. Um, but it's not something that I like to do every single day. I, I guess, and with kids as well, with kids as well, my eating has become a bit more... Functional? Yes. Very good mm. word. Very good word. I think, I mean, when you say you've started eating a bit fancy, I was going to say, oh, right, so you're eating it over a plate now. But in, <laughs> like, in all seriousness, I mean, when you go fancy, do you have a limit for how fancy you're going to be? What is the signifier of that limit? Is it is it like a gold tray? Is it some sort of weird glass dome that has smoke out of it? Like, what, what do you define as fancy? I do like, it's become quite the rage, hasn't it? The, uh, the glass dome with like the mist emitting outside as you lift up that container and then all of a sudden it like the room is foggy like that's now become like the benchmark for what fine dining is which i love but i think for for me and laura like these days it's pretty few and far between when we actually go out and have like a date night and when we do maybe it'd be like every couple of months or sometimes even less i know that sounds really boring but sometimes it's it's like maybe like once every, every three months. But then we, we'll get a babysitter and we'll go out. And uh, one of my favorite restaurants in Sydney is a place called Sean's Panorama in Bondi. And it's not too fancy. There is, sadly, there is no mist with any of the meals that I'm aware of so far. But um, We'll shoot them an email. We'll try to get them to sort that out. If you don't mind, yeah. Whenever I leave there, I'm always <laughs> like, just a shame we didn't have any mist on this, this experience. <laughs> But, um, but I think, yeah, it's, I think a good indicator of, of fine dining is when the waiter reaches over and then unfolds your napkin and then puts it on your lap 
that is when I know I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere fancy. I'd love to chat to you a little bit more about what you just said, like this, how rare it is that you and Laura get to go out and share a night now. And I, I just gather that I, we've got a lot of friends who now have very young kids because uh, that's what people did during COVID. And it feels like it's such a challenge to find those moments to get to reconnect. And so often we do that as people over food, we go and share food together. But have you lost something or is it, is it harder? I shouldn't say lost something, but yeah, are you having to work that much harder now to, I don't know, I don't want to try to say like keep the spark alive, I guess. Yeah, well, I don't want to make it sound like parenting is grim, but at the same time, you do kind of lose something. Like you lose that element of freedom. You know, it's like no longer do you have the ability to just like walk out the door whenever you want now. And every, everything has to be premeditated, um, which makes it tricky. And another... I guess a bit of a trap that Laura and I fell into is because we're, we're both kind of juggling, like everyone who works for themselves is all, you know, they have such sporadic hours and Laura and I fell into this trap of when we would put the kids to bed and then when we would have dinner, we'd have this window between like 8 to 11 p.m. where, you know, your phone wasn't going off, the kids were asleep and we would then work. Oh, I know it sounds like it's really depressing and it, and it, but Laura and I are really good in that we love to bounce ideas off each other and, and Laura's main work is Tony May, her jewelry business and I kind of help out a little bit with some of the marketing there. So it's also just a nice chance that we can talk to each other and bounce ideas off each other um, without being in, interrupted in any way. But obviously like the downside is that you fall into that routine and all of a sudden going out is no longer so much of a priority. Have you done the thing where you've taken, you know, uh, Marley May and Lola out to a restaurant and have you succumbed to the iPad in the restaurant? And were you one one of those people who was super judgy beforehand and now you've sort of jettisoned some of your highfalutin ideals? Oh my gosh. I, I wrote an article about this the other day and it's funny how when you're... When you're not a parent, when you have literally no parenting experience, it's funny how much you judge. And I was talking about the fact that being in a shopping center and seeing a kid having a tantrum and and watching and thinking to yourself like, oh my gosh, control your child. What's wrong with you? Or walking past people in a restaurant or cafe and their child is engrossed in an iPad and thinking like, how hard is it just to talk to your child or like, you know, just have half an hour without an iPad in front of them. And now all of a sudden I look back at that arrogant time in my life where I thought I had all the answers and I'm like you were such an idiot you had no idea now it is it's so essential and it especially because once the kids eat they then like they're done and they're bored and they're like okay what's next and so then you have to then put the iPad in front of them so you get at least 15 to 20 minutes to eat your meal which is often you know like a race against the time because you know that like their attention spans are dwindling every minute is like precious God, it sounds like like you've got a bomb that might go off. (laughs) I know, and I I make, I'm sure I make it sound awful. Like, I'm sure if there's anyone listening who doesn't have children, they must be thinking like, oh gosh, what an awful time. Because there are lots of amazing things that you get to experience as a parent, but obviously some areas of your life, i.e. socializing, takes a bit of a hit. Before my sister had her 
lovely son, my beautiful nephew, she had decided that she was going to raise him to be a non-sugar child. And this is what she decided. Sugar was not going to be a part of his diet. Uh, cut to a couple of years later, and oh boy, does that kid eat sugar. And he loves it. And I love giving it to him because I'm a bad auntie. <laughs> uh, and that's what I do. But I think in in the same way that the the iPad has become a real battle zone between the parents and the non-parents and all that sort of stuff. Did you, when you were back in your non-parent phase, go, this is how I'm going to raise my children and they're going to eat like this and it's organic only. And then you get to this point where you actually have kids and they, if they just eat anything, it is a success. Has it been that or have you, did you just go in without any, any plans? No, totally. I, you know, I thought to myself, I'm going to, I'm going to make all these beautiful meals. And even when the kids are younger and they're kind of just getting onto solids, I'll do these big cookups of this organic vegetable puree that I'll then serve out across the next couple of days. And we did try that for a little bit, but then it's just, man, it's so hard. And it's also so depressing as well because kids go through these phases and Lola, who's my youngest right now, is going through a phase where she's teething and she just doesn't want to eat. And it's so demoralizing when you spend so much time slaving over a meal and it's also expensive as well you know you're buying like really good produce and it's like the first mouthful they just like swat it down with their hand and they look at you as if you've just tried to give them like dirt and they're like what are you doing get out of my face and so then all of a sudden like you know you want to try and offer them some kind of nutrients and then I've got these little fruit bars that I'm sure are like essentially a roll up I'm sure they're just all sugar but it says fruit bar on it. So I'm like, it's fine. That's healthy. And I'll give that to the kids and they eat it. And then it's, it's, it's oddly satisfying when they do eat something. And even if you know that it's not super healthy, you know, you, it's so enjoyable being a feeder and it's so enjoyable seeing your kids eat regardless of whether it's super healthy or not. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's certainly a sentence that we've not had on here, which is it's so enjoyable being a feeder. And I wouldn't want to look that up online because I think it could be weird. <laughs> a fetish. Oh, it's a fetish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it does. It sounds like it's um, there are the challenges as well. But are you also excited that in a couple of years, once you're past this phase, you get to go into the great zone where you get to experience your children experiencing your favorite foods for the first time and hopefully loving them as much as you. Is that something that excites you? Well, we're, we're kind of already there and this is quite lame. This is, this is not the dish that I'll take to the, the uh, desert island, but one of my favorite dishes is, is porridge, okay? Yes. Which... I can just, the excitement right now from you guys is... Uh, no, I, no, I love porridge. I'm the, with you. Tegan loves eating wallpaper paste. But <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I'm not the biggest no. fan, but what, I mean, what is it about your porridge that makes it worthy of anyone's time? Like, what do, you ha- what do you have in the bag? Okay, so it's nothing special, but I just, well, I think porridge, it's good in so many ways in that it's quite simple to cook. I go in the microwave as opposed to like the stovetop. And it's just like a, a nice warm hug in the morning. And it also keeps you full for longer, which I think is just great for any meal. And very early on, that was like my, my I was like the morning guy with the kids. You know, I would, I would kind of get up first and I would get them onto this porridge. And so both of my girls now, I sit down, I have one bowl for myself and I have another big bowl where that's shared between Marley, who is my oldest, and Lola, who's the youngest. 
Mm. And I kind of go one spoonful for me, then one spoonful for the girls. And we all sit there in the mornings and we have this porridge, which has a banana and a few strawberries and some great honey that comes from a friend's farm. And, and I'm sure the girls now are kind of thinking like, gosh, I really just want something else other than porridge. We've been eating it for the last two years, every single day, but but it's a nice moment. It's a nice way to start the day, I find. That actually sounds beautiful. That mm. sounds like one of the things that when they're older and they think back, the mornings that they spent with dad eating porridge, I can imagine that's something that they'll, they'll really treasure. And yeah, I get the porridge thing. I think porridge is exceptionally comforting. And I, I think it's a beautiful thing to, to spoon feed your daughters every morning. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> weird how, like someone asked me the other day and they were like, what's, what's one of the most enjoyable moments with your kids? And the kids have both been like, good and bad in terms of eating, but a, me- a meal that they normally eat quite well is, is breakfast. And giving them porridge and having them eat it, it's, I don't know what it is. It's, maybe it's because, hang on, I'm having this like epiphany right now. Maybe it's because, you know, for the first few months when you have kids, a lot of the important stuff, i.e. feeding them, is done by the mum because, you know, I don't produce breast milk. And so when you first get that little chance to like feed your kids, you know, you've been waiting for so long for that opportunity. So maybe it's one that you grab with both hands. Maybe, maybe. Okay. So this is sort of um, you tipping the scales back in your favor. Are you trying to like become the favorite? I mean, I'm sitting here going, are you also? (laughs) Oh my God. No, because I look, I'm not a parent. I don't, you know, I have a slightly strange way of looking at things. But what I'm curious about is if the two of you had a sort of strategy in place and then it was your turn to take care of the kids and feed them. Did you go off book at any point? Have you gone rogue at any point? No, I, I have. I have. And <laughs> I, I have realized, and I didn't do this intentionally. It was something that, you know, I, no one wants to be the bad guy. You know, no one wants to discipline. And I kind of found that, you know, whenever the kids would ask for anything, I'd be like, sure, of course you can have that. Like, what do you want? Keys to the car? Grab it. It's yours. <laughs> Go nuts. You can have it for half an hour. Bring it back in one piece. And, and Laura was very good at being disciplined. You know, if, if the kids were like climbing up on the couch, Laura was like, you can't do that. You're going to fall down and hurt yourself. Whereas I was, you know, I was kind of keen for anything to happen. And I realized that also made me kind of the favorite parent as well, because they knew that I was just pretty weak and I, could, I would allow them to do anything. And so Laura would be like, hey, you've got to, even to the point where like if Miley would come to me with like Laura's makeup bag and she'd be like, dad, can I play with this? I'd be like, sure. (laughs) And Laura's like, what are you doing? Like, you've got to discipline the kids. You can't always rely on me. (laughs) Or if it was something where I knew it it wasn't something they could play with, I'd be like, go go ask your mother. Because I didn't want to be the one to say, you can't do that. I, I, can I, okay, I've got a couple of things to say. First of all, I'm, I'm really so warmed lately speaking to all these new dads or you know there there is this whole wave of dads getting a really different experience in, in parenting recently we've got a very close friends where they um the dad is about to go on paternity leave so he's going to be the primary care for a while and he's really excited about that and he no, he's, that you he's, get to... tegan just to be clear he's mainly excited because finally he gets to play all the video games in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay well look he's excited in general he's yeah. very excited yeah. you know hearing that you get to share that special moment every morning with your daughters but i have to admit one of my favorite moments uh from very young you know you have those only a smattering of very young memories one of them is that I think when I was in kindergarten, my mum fractured her foot and she had to stay 
must have been worse than a fracture actually because she was in hospital for a little while. And um, so my dad had to look after us and get us ready for kindy every morning. And I still remember dad pointing at all of my dresses and being like, which one do you want to wear? And I pointed <laughs> out my best dress. And he was like, are you allowed to wear that one to kindergarten? And I wasn't. It was a church dress. But I was like, yep, that's allowed. And I got to wear my good shoes. I got to pack my own lunchbox. And dad was like, what do you eat for lunch? And I'm like pointing out the chocolates and all the snacks. And he's like, great, go for it, kid, if you say so. And I just treasured that, that, that moment of having dad step into this other role and have no idea what was going on. Cock it up entirely. And it was so satisfying as a child. Well, I've been very guilty of that. You know, getting the kids ready for daycare is hard enough. And so if, if Marley points to her, her beautiful expensive dress that she only wears at birthdays or special occasions and says, Daddy, I want to wear that. I'm like, kid, knock yourself out. It's yours. <laughs> And I kind of know that it's going to come back covered in paint and everything else from daycare. But I'm like, who cares? Whatever. And I, look, I know it's also bad that by, by being so free and fun-loving, it's at the detriment to Laura. But who cares? You know what you've done? You've become the cool uncle really weird. <laughs> Literally. I know I have. We are not parents, clearly. This is why I'm just listening to all these experiences of yours so gleefully because I can then go back to my home tonight and do what I want. <laughs> yeah. But do you draw on a lot of the things that you learned from your dad now? Or are you are you just kind of, I was going to say freeballing, but that's not a nice way to describe parenting. You're just making <laughs> yeah. it up as you go. My mum was, was someone who I was really, really close with. My mum was always, you know, my, my best friend. And she kind of still is. Um, and I definitely didn't see my mum as this disciplinarian. You know, she was always someone that I would talk to about anything, whether it was like, you know, even like taking drugs or, you know, like when kids are going through that stage of their lives and whether it was like problems with a girlfriend or like wanting a new job, like nothing was off limits with my mum. And I think I'd always like to have that type of relationship with my kids where yeah. they could just talk to me about anything. Like I hate the thought that my child would have a problem regardless of what it is that they couldn't come to me about. So I, I, I guess like I want to be, <laughs> as I'm like about to say it, I, I'm thinking I want to be a cool dad, but, <laughs> <laughs> but nothing is, nothing is less cool than a dad telling you. But that's what I want to be. I want to, I want to be, you know, equal parts friend and dad. And well, I mean, like, do you have expectations as to what they're going to do and what they're going to be? Or are you trying to keep those expectations at bay for a while? Yeah, it's, it's funny because you think people sometimes will have a random occasion where they try something new, whether it be like painting, drawing, dancing, or like maths or, you know, whatever it is. And they like, they find their passion. So it's, you kind of think like how much does it come down to me as a parent to try and introduce all of these different activities to my kids mm. to make sure that they have the best chance of like finding what could be their true passion in life? Or, and how much is it you know, down to my child to try and identify what they like in life? And, um, and I think it's kind of a bit of a mixture of both. But it's funny that um, like we have done a couple of... Um, I remember I did, I did a little video with Marley um, a little while ago doing gingerbread men um, and she's very like she's a big personality and she's very funny on camera and uh, not very interested in cooking at all uh, quite the terrible assistant in the kitchen happy to say but I do think I do think I'm like will, will she be a performer 
I think everyone says that Marley is, is like a miniature version of me. And, and growing up, I was, I was terrible at science and maths and I was pretty good at like drama and film and TV. And mm. so I do think, you know, will she inherit those interests from, from me? Which, you know, I would love it if she came to me and said like, oh, I want to be an actor. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I think I'd be, I'd be, I'd be all... All on board for that, for sure. It's funny you bring that up. I've been having really similar conversations. Um, I'm, I, I'm very lucky in that in my role as an auntie, I get to be quite involved with my niece and nephew's life. And Bonnie's at this interesting age where she's just a sponge right now. Everything, she's just taking it on and she's so intelligent. But I almost got a bit overwhelmed in going, oh God, what if we, what if we don't expose her to the thing that is her true calling? Like what if she's what if she's a, a, a genius or what if she's, you know, meant to be playing the violin and we never put a violin in her hands? And it, it got, I got almost overwhelmed in this responsibility as, you know, what my sister must feel as her parent and then as our wider, the tribe, you know, as we're all raising her. What if because you didn't do the right thing, they missed their calling? It's really lovely to hear that you've got a very holistic approach to it. It's much more healthy. It's, it's funny that um, like I bought this really, really cheap little um musical keyboard from from kmart it was like eight dollars and i'm sure it'll break in a week but i i had it at home and and marley's just become really obsessed with it she just loves playing piano and i'm like oh my gosh was that little random trip to kmart the beginnings of like a mini mozart have i like have i done it have i cracked it so um so i'll have to keep you posted on on that one but there's part of me as well that thinks like yeah could she be a prodigy in sport like do i have to like, should I get her to play golf or something? Is that like, is, you know? I think golf's the best one. If I, if they were going to be a prodigy in anything, I've always said golf or tennis. Yeah, tennis would be great. Tennis would be, tennis would be great. Not huge on swimming, too many early mornings. And cricket as well, just like too much time on the weekends mm. in summer. If you want creativity and athleticism, have you considered hired killer? Because <laughs> yeah. to, you know, master of disguise, does weird accents. Uh, you know, a lot of cardio, a lot of running, hand-eye coordination. I mean, is there, is there, what's weird is, do you feel like, it's interesting, you both use the word prodigy, right? Do you think that places not pressure but expectation on someone to be naturally talented? Yeah, no, there is. I think there is. Like some people, um, especially when it comes to milestones, like kids are so different. You know, one kid will start walking at 12 months. One will start walking at, you know, closer to two years. Um, and even when it comes to, you know, their vocabulary early on. And sometimes not because people are competitive but you kind of just compare notes almost of like where's your kid at oh this is where my kid's at and then you you know sometimes you do get a little bit competitive where you, you know if your child is is really great at one thing you're kind of like look look everybody look how special they are oh i thought you meant you were getting competitive with your kid as in you were trying to one-up them which was very <laughs> i'm like ha you pissed yourself again fool <laughs> <laughs> Could I round back for just a second, though? Because um, you said that you'd be happy if your daughter became an actor or went into the entertainment space. And I 
was asked to speak at a school a little while ago about performance and genuinely had to pause as to whether I would recommend this industry to a young person. That's just because you didn't want any competition. (laughs) (laughs) They were really talented, those little shits. (laughs) But no, it is. I mean, there are, of course, the highs, but there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of toxicity. There's there's, there's so much negativity in there. But you would still recommend to a young person to to go forth and, and act. Yeah, I think so. Like if, if, if Marley May or Lola turned to me and said, dad, you know, I really love this. And it, let's say, let's say Marley's a musician and, yep. and she was struggling and she was having to work odd jobs to try and get some money together because music, being a musician wasn't paying the bills. But if she was like, dad, I, this is it. Like I've never been happier. I'd be like, absolutely. Knock yourself out. Keep at it. Um, yeah. As much as I would want her to have like a really comfortable life and and not have to worry about you know paying paying the bills but if she was truly happy i think i think yeah i'd I'd definitely encourage it but it is you know it would be a lot easier because i've kind of had both experiences in that you know i did have a nine to five job working in the corporate world and i guess consistency is easier but then the work that I'm doing now is not as consistent, but I get far more fulfillment from having a creative outlet as opposed to, you know, being stuck Monday to Friday in the same job. Well, then I guess I'd love to ask you, so let's just say one of your daughters is going to go down this path, whether it's just, you know, that kind of TV personality or whether it's musician, actor, whatever, if they're going to have that sort of public facing role, what would be the advice you would give them or that you wish somebody had given you when you were starting your career? I well, I don't want to sound arrogant here, but <laughs> but I think I think you're always and I don't tell me tell me to shut up if this is really cliche and you're like ugh everyone says this but I think the most important thing is always being really humble. I think regardless of what type of success you find in life, I think still being humble is is so important and I always love it so much. When I meet somebody who I really admire, who I see to be like really successful in this world of media, and they're still just really nice and normal and chill and, and pleasant to everyone, regardless of whether you're the soundie or like the assistant or like the director, I think that's such a nice attribute to have. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that when Marley does, you know, turn into a Mozart 2.0, that she is still very humble. I think that's excellent advice. I really think that's, yeah, that's great advice. Well, we've been talking about your daughters and the fact that you have a family, and now I'm feeling extra guilty that we've stranded you on an island away from your family. Tegan, we've, we've got to stop having guests who have all these really healthy, fulfilling lives with all these people that matter to them. We can't... They knew what they were getting themselves in for, Dagnabbit. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> or not, but you're here now and we're, we're leaning in. Well, it's kind of nice because I get to have a bit of time away from the kids. Obviously, oh. I'm going to miss them. There's no question about that. But it's also... Yeah. I'm looking forward to having a bit of peace and quiet. Interesting. Interesting that you would phrase it as peace and quiet and not abject terror because the island is really... It's a bad place to be. It's like the smoke monster from Lost times 10. But yes, but that still counts as missed, and that was what we were all lacking. <laughs> yes, also, so just hold back. Yeah, but you don't you don't go to a degustation. They lift the lid on a cocktail, <laughs> and you hear the clanking of chains. And- I thought it was like a like a Fijian island. That's what that's what I was I was imagining that it was like quite nice. Obviously, there's not you know there's no houses or anything that like on the island. Like it's very like bare in terms of any like infrastructure. Mm. But I thought it was you know I thought it was 
The weather's good. Weather is definitely good. It is in the South Pacific, so it is yeah. it is lovely weather. Can guarantee you that. But you know, we, we still haven't exactly figured out what happened with everybody in the first season of Dish Island, and we assume it's murder. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure though. Uh, there was that the night of uh, a thousand screams. Do you remember that? It was a couple months ago, <laughs> and it was just screams all night, and that stopped really suddenly. And now we've got a clean slate, and you are you are. And one of a very small number of people on the island. And there's a real economy, Maddie, for bringing something that other people will then want to trade with. Yep. But I'm so curious as to whether you've gone the kind of wholesome, you know, rustic route of your porridge or whether you've gone for something incredibly complex. I, I did. I seriously considered bringing the porridge. Although the only downside, and this is why I didn't bring the porridge, is that I feel quite strongly about the fact that porridge should only be eaten before midday. Mm. A few times I have had porridge in the evenings and it just didn't feel right. So I, I've sadly not gone for porridge, but I have gone for a breakfast dish. Huh. Oh, okay. I'm thrilled. What is then? We'll make it official. Maddie J, what is your desert island dish? Okay, okay. And there's a lot of reasoning behind this, but I'll explain that later. My dish is an omelette. Oh, okay. Has anyone had an omelette right. before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had heaps of omelettes. Oh, really? But... Oh, shit. I thought I was being really clever. Oh, no, sorry. No, sorry. Have, has anybody brought... I thought you were just asking me have in general if before? I've had oh, an no, omelette. No. I was like, no, I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and... Uh... Have you tried what, what some are calling an egg? <laughs> Whisked in with vegetables? Have you tried that before? You're like, yeah. yeah. No, I have. I have, but no, nobody's brought an omelette to the island. And what I like with an omelette is it's not just, you can't just have an omelette. There are so many ways to serve up an omelette. You know, yeah. you're going a traditional four cheese French omelette mm -hmm. or are you jazzing it up? So how do you like your omelettes? Well, I'm going more of a practical sense here and I'm jamming it with vegetables. So right. you know, I've got mushrooms, I've got some Spanish onion, I've got spinach in there. Uh, I will have a couple of little um, chopped up bits of bacon as as well. I think I might put some capsicum in there. There's look, there's there is a lot. There is a lot. And when I make more an, vitamin C than an orange. Yes, so it's a good choice. Hey, look, this is this is working out perfectly. And I feel like I've been I've been guilty of it. Sometimes when it, it gets late at night and you think I can't be bothered to cook anything, that's going to be hard. Omelets are very easy to make and. You can, you know, you just whack all the vegetables in there, whack in your eggs, whisked up, I should say. And, and then you kind of like, you're getting your protein, you're getting your nutrients. Makes a lot of sense to me. So are you cooking the vegetables off before you toss in the eggs? I've never made an omelette before, so I'm curious as to your method. Yeah, so I'm going to cook in the vegetables first, make mm. sure they're, they're nice and sautéed. Then separately, I will whisk in the eggs and then pour it over the top. And then I've got like a, I found a, a flat stone on the island that I use as like the, the top of my fry pan. <laughs> and then I put on a low heat. Uh, I make sure that the flame is kind of removed and it's now just the coals. And yeah. I let it sit there for about like five to seven minutes. Ooh, that's cool. Okay, I like, I like this slow cook. I like the idea that you've come to an island, a magical island, and you've got a fry pan, but at no point did your imagination give you a lid. Like, yeah. you, you, you can have a lid. You don't need to use a rock. No, like. no, this stone is good. I like the stone thing. But I am hearing a distinct lack of cheese. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> sorry, okay. absolutely. I'm, I'm a big cheese guy. 
plenty of time for cheese, so I uh, I will finish off with a bit of cheese on top. Absolutely. Mozzarella. Yes. Nice. Oh, and then you get that, you know, even when you cut it in half and you pull it apart, you've got those those stringy bits all falling down. Oh, that's nice. And then I might, just as a bit of a side garnish, put some avocado there as well. This is, uh, so the omelette is served up. Uh, I did actually bring plates, so I do have plates. I have some nice crockery with me. I'll serve it up. A bit of toast. Somehow I always have access to freshly cooked sourdough, which is Great. strange on this island, but I don't like to ask too many questions. And I serve it up with a side then of, you know, like half an avocado uh, chopped up nicely. Hmm. Oh. I think it's pretty, it's good. Look, it's good. It's, it sounds, it sounds very, like you said, very practical. And you are, as you're kind of, I think you're a pretty practical person. Would you say you're a, you know, you're pretty goal oriented and practical lately? I mean, you've been really talking a lot in, with your new podcast about, you know, smart use of money. Is this a new intelligent grown up side of Maddie? And would you have picked this dish before you were a parent? Oh, very, very good question. Very good question. Can I just say mm. your reaction of, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't the type of excitement I was hoping for. Uh, okay. All right. Look. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put Paul in the <laughs> shit here. Paul doesn't like omelets. There. I said it. I knew I've it. Tried making, I've tried making him omelets, and I am a big fan. And I think that your desert island dish is practical, certainly, but it's also exceptionally comforting, and I dig that. But Paul, just just admit it, Paul. Say it out loud. Upset the guest. I I'm dare just, you. I'm just saying between the porridge, which is not too complicated, <laughs> and the omelet, you're that's peasant food. Fuck <laughs> you, Paul. <laughs> Dare you judge my culinary experience? Look, the fact that you, first of all, some guests rock up and they go, "All right, I want this one dish I had from this restaurant," and it appears magically. You, to your credit, are cooking it yourself. So, I think what you're getting is a nod of respect from me, Mister Miyagi Sorry. style, from across the mat. You're not. Look, I'm not really excited about it, but I'm God, I'm happy that you're happy. Does that make sense? Okay, okay. I didn't expect to have a fight midway through this <laughs> podcast record, but. I'm glad that we're in separate locations. Otherwise, I'm sure at this stage we'd be like wrestling on the floor and Tiggs would be like pulling us apart. Oh, I love that. I'd love to do this. So exciting. <laughs> that one where like my makeup's all down my face for some reason. It would have been really satisfying. <laughs> Can we just chat before you go a little bit about your podcast, The Penny Drops? Were you always quite frugal and money smart beforehand or have you gotten money smart now i've been pretty crap to be honest in the past okay. it was a, an enlightening experience in this podcast because it was like tapping into a world that i've been avoiding for so long like i i would give my finances a bit of attention around tax time because i mm -hmm. i had to and then outside of that i like i just didn't want to know and i guess the only rule that i really tried to abide by was as simple as you know just trying not to spend any money unnecessarily or not spending beyond my my means and it's funny that it's it's now something that i enjoy a lot more like and i even when i say this i'm thinking gosh who have i become but superannuation is now something that i really enjoy <laughs> i know i know i'm like yeah. i'm like ah oh, i'm such a loser but um but i guess maybe because it's it's hard to enjoy things you don't really understand. And I guess, yeah. look, a lot of young people, no one really knows who to turn to for money advice. And you're like, do I get a financial advisor? And like, shit, who, like, who, how do I even, how do I find the right financial advisor? Like, it's so much easier. And especially when you're younger, like when you're in your 30s, you know, you're like, 
obviously you're starting to think about maybe do I try and save up for a home loan deposit or maybe do I start investing? But you know, you, things are pretty good. It's only when you're like in your 40s that you're like, all right, I really need to start thinking about my super now. It's funny that you say all this because your advice to a young person if they were going into our industry would be to be humble. And I actually, I genuinely think that's such great advice. But my advice was figure out how to manage your money, mm. understand what tax is, understand what super is. Because I've just heard so many horror stories and Paul and I were nearly one of those horror stories where you just, you, you, you're you just rolling along and you think everything's going to be fine. And then maybe you get a break and you finally make a little bit of money. But because you don't know how to manage that, you then get some scary or terrifying tax bill or there's just some... Or magic beans. Or you have to buy magic beans <laughs> yeah. and then you're screwed. Well, that, we, we've had those chats. Or you've not thought about super and then suddenly you realise that I yeah. should have been thinking about super. And this all just sounds so valid and so important. Yeah, and I did think, you know, I was like, is anybody going to listen to this podcast series? Because, you know, like obviously Laura has a podcast, Life Uncut, and it's stupidly successful. So big, yeah. And, um, and you know, I've been watching from the sidelines all the success that she's been getting. And uh, I was thinking to myself, well, okay, let's have a little, little crack at a podcast. What could I do it on? And I, I thought parenting was an obvious one, given that I have two kids. And, you know, a lot of the content that I do on social media is all about being a parent. And then I thought, well, wouldn't it be funny to do something like really random that I'm not passionate about, but I want to get better at? And that's why I thought, you know, I guess I've always wanted to get better at my money. And I was listening to some finance podcasts out there, which are all really great in terms of providing awesome information, really informative. But I guess it's delivered in a way that lacks a bit of entertainment and, and that's humor. That's the loveliest way of saying boring that I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> What you're saying is that you feel about other finance podcasts the way I feel about your omelet. Yes, yes, exactly. I love that you've managed to yet yeah, take a subject that I think all of us want to avoid and put your wonderful spin on it. That's exceptional. Yeah, so it's um, it's it's nice to, you know, I was thinking like, oh, it would be very awkward if no one listened to my podcast, um, but I was pleasantly surprised. Then people messaged and said, oh, you know, I found it really informative and I had a laugh um, through it as well, which was just, you know, it's so nice when you intend something to be received in a certain way and it actually does what you wanted it to do. And you're like, oh, this is great. So, I, you know, will I come back and do another season? Maybe, maybe. Or I'm like, do I now just tackle off something else that I, I should know as an adult, but I don't? Like, I'm like, do I do a politics series not sure not sure still figuring it out i think your next thing should be figuring out how to get off this island because no one has escaped yet and if, <laughs> if you could be the first one and then do a mini series about how you got off the island that'd be great or some, just you know some some kind of weird survivalist shit could be fun but now but now i've got so much free time on my hands away from the kids that i'm like maybe i'll I'll start building that raft next week. Just give me one more, one more week. And it's now been like a year and I'm, I've like, I'm trimmed down because I'm eating well. I'm exercising every day. I've got a great tan. My hair's grown out. So I, I'm looking fantastic. I've never looked better on this island. Ah, the tragedy that men's health cannot get to the island <laughs> yeah. for a photo shoot. Well, look, Maddie, we're really, really happy to have you here. And we honestly, I think this is the first time we've said this. Uh, we hope you find a way off because we think you'd really be able to make some good content out of it. But thank you so much for joining us today on Dish Island. Uh, so, so this is it. You guys are leaving me. From this moment on, I'm now going to be stuck. Yeah, and um, be careful of the wolves because they do they do come out at night. <laughs> Hang on a second. Why are there wolves on a tropical island? Well, I don't make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. <laughs>
You evil bastard. Hey, Tegan. Yes. Do you know what the J in Maddie J stands for? Does it stand for Paul's a big old jerk because he doesn't like omelettes? No, it's Johnson. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That said, I mean, Paul, you couldn't have faked it just a little bit, gotten behind Maddie, supported our guest. No, no, you can't pretend to love something as boilerplate as an omelette. You and your Higginbotham's and your bloody omelettes. Oh, well, this, yes. If you missed this in the past, folks, uh, when we invited the incredible senior artist from the Australian Ballet, Jared Madden, onto our show, Mm -hmm. he spoke so fondly about his dad's pizza shop. And I mentioned that my dad had dreams of starting a food truck called the Galactic Omelette, where, I, you know what, the more I think about it, I think it's a great idea. You know, you'd rock up and naturally you've got a little egg base. You choose whether you want a one, two or three egg omelette cool and then you decide what fillings you put in could you imagine being out on you know a cold winter's morning or going into the footy and instead of buying dissatisfying soggy chips you can get a nice a nice warm little omelette little bit of toast with it num 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 you are scrunching up your face sir yeah because what you're describing is like a man a small man with a goatee (laughs) in the back of a van driving around gippsland just going, you want an omelette? That's Wolf Creek. That's not snack time. <laughs> you know what they say, Paul. You can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. And Maddie J can't bring an omelette onto our island without breaking your heart. But he was a fantastic guest. And yes. I think the top line takeaway here is he's a better person than we are. <laughs> His advice for people, whether they're in the entertainment industry or any industry for that matter, mm. be humble is just... Really lovely advice. Yeah, he's an absolutely wonderful person, although I'm now slightly worried about what Laura's going to think when she listens and finds out that he'd been undercutting her parenting efforts at every turn. Well, we'll find out when we invite her on the show, which will be very soon. (laughs) And also, they'll be the first couple on the island, apart from us. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Okay, great. Well, look, to everybody who's listening, thank you. We just really love having this time with you each week. For now, have a fantastic week. And remember, eat your veggies. I was looking at you so we could say it at the same time. Sorry, go again, go again. So remember, eat Eat your your veggies. veggies. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish Island is a proud member of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.